The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Support for Busted Open comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. And I got to be honest, right now, I'm using Manscaped. I'm using it on my balls, which I definitely need because before Manscaped, all I was doing was cutting my balls. So that has finally, finally stopped. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has proprietary skin-safe technology so the trimmer won't nick or snag your nuts. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Thank God. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty. I can't believe I actually have to say that, but just FYI, don't do that. Manscaped also has the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BUSTEDOPEN at manscaped.com. Always use the right tools for the job. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BUSTEDOPEN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code BUSTEDOPEN. On your balls! This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I talk SmackDown on Fox. We talk about the show, and we also talk about how many people watch the show and have they improved the rating over last week. We also get into a very interesting article in Forbes, and it's about the creative process in the WWE. And we get some interesting quotes from Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch. You definitely want to hear this. And we also do my pro wrestling power rankings, five to one, who I thought had the best week in all of pro wrestling. We do that right now on the Busted Open Podcast. That was all over social media because the weekend comes and Dave doesn't take any time off from the world of and pro Dave wrestling. Dave doesn't. What? <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no, but that's where I catch up on all my wrestling is on the weekend. You know, that's when I watch MLW. That's when I watch Ring of Honor. That's when I watch New Japan. That's when I watch Impact Wrestling. That's when I watch WOW Women of Wrestling. And that's when I watch Impact Wrestling. A lot of I wrestling. woke up. I woke up this past Sunday, uh, I don't know, and I about 9.30, got downstairs at about 10, sitting back in the chair, turned on the old Twitter machine, and I see at least a dozen <laughs> tweets from you already talking about every wrestling company under the sun. I'm like, doesn't this guy have anything else to do but watch wrestling? But I guess you don't. I got, I got problems because at some point I got to think to myself, is it smart? at 6.30 in the morning on a Sunday to be tweeting about WOW Women of Wrestling, but I do because that's when I'm watching WOW Women of Wrestling. Get up early and start a, watching everything. I have a funny feeling that you have a certain time frame in your house on a Sunday morning where you have to watch all of your wrestling. Yes. Look, he's smiling yes. and he's shaking his head. I have a funny feeling that there's a set of rules in the LaGreca household set forth by one VLA. Uh, well, David. Yes. If you're going to watch wrestling on Lord's Day, you must be finished by 10 a.m. because we go church. Yes, and noon is when uh, mass begins, so and we have breakfast before. You know, so yeah, there's a whole process on Sunday. So I hit the nail on the head. <laughs> exactly, you hit the nail on the okay. head. Church is at noon, and then you got the whole, like, nothing's ever good enough what I'm wearing to church. You know, it's like, <laughs> for Violetta, it's like every day is Easter Sunday. You know what I'm saying? You, you, so You mean, you mean Oxford? 
Baker is not the appropriate Yeah, the Ox Baker t-shirt can't wear it at the church. Father B uh, doesn't like uh, the Ox Baker t-shirt. Father B. Father B, because he's, he, of course, he's a Polish priest. So it's, Bug- I think it's Bugamil. Bugamel. Bogamel? Bogamel. So I just Bogomel. say Father B. That, that, that was the head detective in Beverly Hills Cop. Well, they, I don't think it's that. But it's Father B to me. Right, and I think I big. told you this. Actually, I'm not even going to say this in the air. What am I doing? No, no, people no. Don't, people don't want to hear this. People don't want to hear about Yeah, them. they do. No, they don't. They they don't. They don't. Trust me. Now they no, do. Now they're in. they don't. Oh, but to go back to what you're saying, yes, bully, there is a window when I got to watch everything on a Sunday morning. She runs a tight ship over she there. Runs a, she runs a very tight ship. El Capitan got you, got you in check. But uh, but you know what? I kind of like it, though, because I have that window on Sunday morning where it's just me on the sofa with the dog sitting next to me watching pro wrestling for a few hours. I love it. It reminds me like, I, like I'm a kid again. Hey, if it works for you, it works for you. At least you're getting your wrestling fix in. I definitely it's just funny. Right. It's just funny to see you tweeting so early in the morning. I said to myself, I said, there's got to be something going on. This is like the, the fourth or fifth time I see him tweeting so early on a Sunday morning. I wonder if he sets his clock to get up just so he can watch all the shows. <laughs> but also, plus, I, plus, I know when the, when the house is really quiet, nobody's up yet. That's why you have WoW on. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know what? You want to talk about episodic TV? I was saying this to Alex Metz before, and I didn't know if I should say it on the air, but you know how you're always saying, and or the WWE is always saying, that their show is episodic TV. And we kind of go against that and say, well, it's really not, because there's really no cohesive storylines from week to week. They kind of just reset each and every show. That's not the case for WOW Women of Wrestling. I really have to watch it because I want to know what's going on because if I miss a show, I actually don't follow the story as well. I need to watch that show every single weekend. You talk about episodic TV, WOW Women of Wrestling on Access TV is actually episodic television. It sounds like WOW's got the hook in your mouth. Oh, man, they got it. They got it. And listen, I, you know, a lot of people, and, and a lot of people just assume because I, I made my list of the shows I really enjoyed this weekend. And I mentioned MLW and I mentioned Impact Wrestling and I mentioned New Japan and I, and I mentioned um, Wow Women of Wrestling and I mentioned all the shows that I watched this weekend. And I didn't mention SmackDown. So right away, people think I hated SmackDown. I didn't hate SmackDown. I thought SmackDown was, you know, just, it was, it was all right. SmackDown was all right. Was it was it fair or was it good? I would say probably it, it it wasn't poor and it wasn't great. So no. was it fair or was it good? I would probably lean towards fair. Wow, leaning towards fair means that you were thinking poor. No, I wasn't thinking poor. I was thinking fair. It, was it wasn't I. good though. It wasn't good. Uh, it was okay. So it wasn't good. It was fair. All right, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> which, which again, let me, let does... me ask you. <clears throat> Go ahead. Let me ask you this: paint with a broad stroke here. Why was it only fair? It because, and I explained this at social media. I think about maybe six forty-five in the morning on Sunday. No, actually, I probably said this on Friday when I was watching it as well. And I got a story about how I watched it on Friday. But, but bully, it was it's formulaic. Like you can, as wrestling fans, we can kind of predict. What's going to happen next on SmackDown? Is that fair to say? Yes, especially this past SmackDown. Yes, especially with the way the show opened and how the show ended. Very, very formulaic. And we've seen it a million times, especially we've seen this almost, I think, probably every time we've watched a Raw or SmackDown. When they open up with a championship match, you're not getting a complete match you're going to get some kind of interference or some kind of wonky finish that's going to set up a tag match for later on in the show. I almost knew going in that was what was going to happen, and that's exactly what happened. Nakamura and Roman Reigns had, I thought, a very good match to start off SmackDown on Friday, but then you get the interference from Baron Corbin that sets up a useless tag match to end the show on Friday night. I completely agree. I don't want to see that tag match at the end of the night, despite the fact that all four of those guys had a good tag match. I mean, why wouldn't they have a good tag match? They're all great wrestlers and phenomenal athletes. So, yeah, it is what it is. 
I'd rather see a definitive winner in that intercontinental match, especially when that intercontinental championship match was going so well. I enjoyed it. Um, You told me a story before we came on the air about some friends you had over your house that were into the match and then were kind of not into the match anymore after the running. So tell tell our listeners about it. Because I think this is a great example of how if SmackDown is trying to cater to new viewers what they're actually doing to these viewers. Well, I mean, and it's not just new viewers. You would have to probably guess, Bully, by even watching the NFL slate schedule on Sunday, you saw a lot of promos for SmackDown during the NFL games on on yesterday. So they really are catering to that sports audience. Hey, backstage, where is it? On FS1. That caters to the sports viewer. So I'm looking at the the target audience being the sports fan. Now, both my friends that were over on Friday were sports fans. Big sports fans, both of them. One was into wrestling when he was younger. The other one was never into wrestling at all. But I will say this. During that match, Nakamura and Reigns, both my friends were watching it and were into it. They were like, wow, this is cool. Like, they were actually into it. I I was actually proud of the fact that, hey, you know what? This kind of hooked two people who don't watch on a regular basis. But then you got the outside interference. So right away, they're like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Uh, That's Baron Corbin. I'm explaining who he is, the history behind it. All right, what's going to happen next? What what are they going to do? And it sets up a tag match for later in the night where the championship title is not on the line. There's no consequences. There's nothing that it's building towards in that tag match. So you lost those two viewers. So now they're like, wow, that was a waste of time. I just watched, that was that was a waste of 12 minutes, me watching that match. I'm not going to see a finish, and it's setting up in the main event at the end of the evening a tag match that means absolutely nothing. And it's so funny because I think we've become so numb to it as viewers that we're used to that. So at first it was kind of like, what are you guys talking about? And then I thought about it. I was like, they're absolutely right. The WWE is giving us a championship match that they want you to get emotionally invested in. There's outside interference. So now the match is over. There's no clear winner. There's no clear finish. And then at the same time, it sets up a tag match that means absolutely nothing in the main event slot at the end of the night. Why would anybody want to tune in to watch a tag match that means nothing when they gave you a championship match with no finish at the start of the show. They reel you in emotionally, and then they let you off the hook. Isn't that what it felt like, Dave? Yes, 100%. They got you in the beginning, and then for some reason they let you go as if you're going to be as emotionally involved in this tag match as you were in this championship match. As if because Corbin ran in, and, the, you know, Cor- Corbin and Shinsuke and Sammy are beating down Roman, and here comes Daniel Bryan, that you're going to actually be more invested in the four guys going at it than the two guys going at it. Four guys going at it for a personal reason, two guys going at it for a championship reason. I don't know. I was into the championship reason. And then when I saw the run-in, I was like, much like you, Dave, all right, Been here before, same old, same old. But if you remember what I said a couple of weeks ago, Dave, I think SmackDown is hitting a massive reset. What is same old, same old to us might not be the same old, same old to the the new viewers that they're trying to garner. However, if you look at the rating, I'm not so sure that those new viewers that might have tuned in the first week and second week have kind of walked away and were now whittled down to the same ratings that SmackDown was getting on USA and or it, close to it. It it's almost feels like that Raw is getting the old SmackDown rating and SmackDown is getting the old Raw rating. Because we talked about the A show and the B show, and I think now SmackDown has got that perception of being the A show, so it's getting the old Raw rating, where where Raw is getting the old SmackDown rating. You're talking twos now. Don't forget, that first episode, you're expecting fives. I say, let's be a realistic, and it was just under a four. Now it's falling down to the low twos. This is network TV. This is prime time. You know, this is a bit of a letdown. They basically had, in week number three, half the audience that they had in week number one. 
That's a, that's a short period of time for the ratings to fall as far as they've done. They lost a million viewers from week one to week two, and now they're about at, at, at half of what they were getting at week one. What's it going to be next week, Bully, when they're on FS1? I don't think they're going to count that. I think that just happens. It is what it is because of the playoffs, and they got to kind of deal with it, and a lot of people might not switch over to FS1. Uh, they're probably are many people out there that don't even realize it's going on except for the diehards so i think you will see a hit in that number but they'll try to get themselves right back on track the week after when you see a a a show like raw do the rating that it does it's pretty much status quo when you see aew and nxt doing their number it's it's turning into pretty much of a status quo with smackdown on fox it is it's got to be a little concerning if you start off at four million, and then you go to three million, and you say to yourself, "Okay, we shook it out. We lost some of the we lost some of the viewers that tuned in for the first time. Plus, we had the rock. All right, we're gonna fall in around the three million mark. Hopefully, we can be, build back up to three point five million. But then you come in at two point four million. That has to be a bit concerning. Yeah, absolutely." And Raw did a 2.2. That's where the the main roster shows are doing right now for the WWE. And you're right. I think with AEW, pretty much from last week to the week before, it pretty much stayed the same. There was like less than a 1% drop-off from week to week. When you look at NXT, obviously a drop-off from week one. But, you know, the last two weeks, it's pretty much been the same. Dave, I got to ask you a question, and I thought about this this weekend, and it really, it did go back to the ratings. And uh, I'm going to really look at, I think AEW and NXT are the companies that I'm really talking about here, but I'm going to throw SmackDown in as well. Raw really doesn't count. Are the AEW fan base and the NXT fan base, and to a degree the SmackDown fan base, letting down their respective brands um i don't think so uh i don't i don't think that the fans are letting the product down especially when, with aew and nxt i think that's your fan base okay if the fans in aew and nxt are not letting the product or the company down why are we seeing this drop off especially with aew you had a rabid fan base who was sung, so gung-ho, a fan base that I felt would go to war for this company. So you start off at a 1.4, that's great. But how did you lose those 400,000 viewers? Where are they? Where did they go? And why did they leave so quickly? They may, they may sprinkle back in every once in a while. Don't forget, with every type of... Not everybody's going to be the hardcore fan that tunes in every single week. There, You would expect there's going to be a couple hundred thousand fans that, hey, I tuned in, it's week one, it's a new, it's a new company, I'm going to tune in to see what it's like. You know what? And I'll when I have the time and, and the, you know, I'm not watching anything else, I'll tune in. I think, But I think we know what the hardcore fan base right now is for AEW. It's 1.1 because now we've seen that consistently over the, uh, over the last couple of weeks. It's when are they going to be able to kind of grab some other people to view in. And that may take time, Bully. You know, don't forget, this is just we're, in, we're still in October. So this is still very new. So I still think at the end of the day, the NXT audience and the AEW audience is going to grow over time, but it's going to take time. I think we, we, we expect everything fast and everything now, but even when you look at WCW and when they're finally able to take over the rating war with the WWE, that took time. That took months and months. That took a long time for that to happen. I still think you have to have those expectations when they come to NXT and the WWE. I'm I'm not as sold on your argument with AEW because if I have if I own a restaurant and this restaurant has been talked about with so much uh, pomp and circumstance before the door is even opened, and then the doors to my restaurant open up and 1.4 million people show up for dinner and and everybody is ecstatic about what they had that night, and then over the next two weeks I see less and less people coming in through my door, I got to look at myself in the mirror and go, did I not hook them? Was my food not good enough? Was my service not good enough? 
See, with the WWE, it's a little different. You kind of expect these drop-offs. With something as new as and exciting as AEW, I don't know if I was expecting this drop-off. Maybe a little bit of a shakeout, but I don't know if losing 400,000 viewers is a little bit of a shakeout. That seems, that seems kind of significant for me. Four companies control over 80% of the U.S. meat industry. That's like Bully gets 80% of the pay for Busted Open. And that's crushing the family farm and sticking you with sketchy meat. But it doesn't have to be this way. Moink is the new meat delivery service that ships the best-tasting grass-fed and grass-finished beef and lamb, pastured pork and chicken, and wild-caught Alaskan salmon direct to your door. They don't bleach their chicken like Big Ag or use antibiotics, hormones, or any other sorts of funk. Moink's animals are raised outdoors and their fish swim wild in the ocean. With Moink, you're saving the family farm while your family dines like royalty. Right now, the LaGreca family dines like royalty. And I'm dining like royalty while suffering from lack of funza. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash busted right now for free ground beef for a year. That's a pound of the finest ground beef on earth in every one of your Moink boxes for an entire year. For free. Offer ends November 15th, spelled M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash busted. Moinkbox.com slash busted. I thought it was a good show. That's it. Mm -hmm. Good And good to me is a little bit better than average. I'm not going to say it was a fair show, because when you have guys like Roman Reigns and Shinsuke Nakamura having the kind of match that they were happen or having, or the tag match at the end of the night, I thought the girls did a decent job in their in that six uh, that six pack challenge. Um, the New Day and Heavy Machinery teaming up. I thought there was enough stuff on the show, wrestling wise, that made it good. I enjoyed the uh, the Miz, Bailey, and Sasha sit down. I want to talk to you about that. So that's it. Good. But for the third show on Fox, I think we should be getting better than good. Am I looking too much into the sport element of it? Again, because being a sports fan and watching the NFL games, what they did during the draft and having all those you know, analysts from NHL and NFL and Major League Baseball and even soccer coming on and giving their perspective of the draft. And we talked about it before they even started the show on Fox that they wanted more of a sporting feel to it, more of a competitive nature to it. And we kind of wondered what we were going to get, the entertainment side or the sporting side. Do you think there's a balance there? Should it be more sport? Should it be more competitive? Should you have had a different finish to that opening matchup, knowing that maybe the mainstream fan is the sports fan that might be tuning into these other games where they're seeing their promos? Or am I looking too much into that? I'm gonna um, I'm gonna put your question on the back burner for just a quick second okay. because I want to ask you about being force fed. Uh, years ago, uh, fans felt that Roman Reigns was force fed down their throat in the finish of the 2015 Royal Rumble when they try to have Rock give him the rub and it just doesn't work. Do you feel like you're being force fed by Fox? The, the football analysts, the baseball analysts, the hockey analysts, uh, Al Roker. Do you feel like you're being force-fed the WWE by all these people who don't necessarily sound very passionate about the WWE? Well, I mean, I don't think I'm being force-fed. I can see that going into week one with some of the things that we saw where it seemed kind of canned and scripted. But the promos that I've been seeing isn't so much about the commentators talking about SmackDown. It's just the commercials for SmackDown during the games. So if you're somebody that maybe hasn't watched pro wrestling in 15, 20 years, and then you see these promos during the games, and you're like, you know what? I'm going to check this out. I'm going to start watching again. This looks exciting to me. I mean, that's where I bring up like a championship match at the start of a show with a non-finish to set up a, a tag match with nothing or no meaning behind it. I'm going to go back to something that you know and, and a lot of wrestling fans that are around our age know about, and that's the dusty finish. And for those fans who don't know, that's where like a referee would be knocked out and a substitute referee would come in 
and then there would be declared a winner, and then they would reverse the decision because the the first official wasn't the one who made the decision. It was a non-sanctioned second referee that came in. And then you would see, you know, the match end that way or the championship not change hands where you thought the championship changed hands. You know, and, that's, and it's kind of like throughout the years it kind of changed a little bit, but that's quote-unquote the dusty finish. I think that hurt the NWA in the late 80s, early 90s. Because that always seemed to be the fallback to an end of a championship match or where you couldn't find or they didn't want to have a winner. I see the same thing happening here with the WWE. We, we kind of, like, I've been talking about this a lot where we have matches with non-finishes. That's frustrating to the wrestling fan, but think about a mainstream fan that doesn't watch on a weekly basis. Imagine how frustrating it is to, you know, to commit 15 minutes to a match and there's a non-finish. Imagine you're if, if Fox wants to go the route of legitimate sport with the WWE, imagine you, were, uh, you just tuned into a baseball game or a football game and you got a non-finish. How would you feel about that? You'd be like, wait a minute, how, how is this ending? Uh, aren't they supposed to go into overtime? Or it's like it's like extra when we innings. End in a, like there's got to yeah. be a finish. It's like it's like in football. You know, um, when they end in a tie. I hate ending in a tie. I think ending in a tie is is absolutely awful. But if it's going to count in the standings, then so be it. Um, when you when I get a match like Roman Reigns versus Shinsuke, I know what they're doing behind the scenes. They're like, we got we want to start off with a bang. We want to start off with a good match. We want to start off with something that is intriguing and people will, will tune into. On a side note, Shinsuke's entrance on SmackDown absolutely phenomenal. I know that stage set. Look, it's I amazing. felt like I'm at a rock concert. I mean, it, it looks great, and and they had me hooked <clears throat> on Shinsuke's entrance. Like I was excited to see it. There's mm-hmm. Shinsuke, the you know you see you know that new camera shot that they have on SmackDown. Awesome! You see all of these lights. It is. Uh, I I really really loved it. So they got me hooked right that there with that big league feel. Um, come to the ring. Good match at Roman. Sammy on the outside. They go to break. Blah blah blah. Then we get the run in. Man, I would like to have seen a fin- finish. Do I, is Roman going to be my new IC champ? Can Shinsuke actually beat Roman? But the problem is, they don't want anybody to lose. But then what's the finish of the tag match, Dave? Same thing. No. What was the finish no, of what the was, tag I'm match? Trying to, I'm, I'm actually trying to remember what the finish was to the tag match. I don't even... I, Did I, Daniel I, Bryan wanna, go over? I, I, you know what? I can honestly say I don't remember the end of the, of the tag match. I don't. And I don't remember. And, and, I'm, and I'm asking you because I don't remember I either. don't remember. I would have been more intrigued by getting a finish in that singles match, but they didn't want to put the IC belt on Roman, and they didn't want Shinsuke to lose the IC belt. This, th- thus, they put it in a tag match. And, that, and that's and you know, and I know that people are going to be like, "Come on, Lagreca!" It was the main event on SmackDown, but it did, there was no consequences to the match. I've seen it a million times. It's 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 forgettable because they're telling you to, for it to be forgettable. Because if they wanted you to remember it, they would have had an, an absolute winner at the opening match for the championship. And that's where it's going to lose people. And that's my concern here. And you're right. There, there was a lot to be excited about. You had the six-pack challenge, which was great. Nikki Cross now is your number one contender for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Kind of predictable when you looked at who was in that match. But fine. It was a, it was a well-wrestled match. And now, like you said, you had Otis and Tucker and Big E and Xavier Woods against Rude, Ziggler, Dawson, and Wilder. But again, that's a fun match. It's wrestling. It's great. But there's... There's not, it doesn't mean anything at the end of the day. When it comes to sports, there has to be meaning to it. There has to be a reason why you're watching it. That, you know, whether it's for a winning record or a, a chance at a number one contendership or a chance at a, at a championship title match, it has to mean something. Basically, they told you what you're watching is just for fun, and it really doesn't mean a lot at the end of the day. I think that's all SmackDown is going to be for a while. It's going to be just for fun. Because of the new night, the new you know, possibly the new demographic, the new eyes. But by looking at these ratings, I'm not quite sure that they held on to the new eyes. The the example that I gave about AEW shaking out by losing four hundred thousand viewers in comparison is absolutely nothing compared to SmackDown almost losing two million viewers. 
I mean, if, if, if you debuted at $4 million and you're down to $2.4 million, what did you do wrong? I mean, <clears throat> I'm sure you did a lot of things right, but how did you not keep these people invested? How did, now, maybe the plus three numbers will say something different. I think the plus three numbers for SmackDown will be very fair because I'm sure a lot of people will DVR the show. Watch it on Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it. I, I didn't get to watch it live on Friday. I watched it yesterday as well as you did. So I think those plus three numbers will be interesting because if 2.4 million watched it live, I'm sure that there's a significant amount of people who watched it on DVR. But you're right, Dave, about the show being fun. I think good and fun is what we're going to get from SmackDown. I, I don't know if we can get anything more. But they have to understand the audience and not just the wrestling fan, but you got to understand the mainstream audience. Everything you said is absolutely right. The arena, the way they lighted the arena, it looked absolutely fabulous. That new uh, Titantron, amazing. They brought the pyro back. So everything looks beautiful and it's going to attract you. It's like eye candy. They got you, but now you got to keep them. And I know for myself, the two people who are watching with me on Friday, they may have been able to hook them, but they lost them and I don't think they're ever coming back. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music, plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. The landscape of pro wrestling has changed. This is a revolution. So it's only fitting that we change along with it, even our rankings. It's amazing how these people just side with you. Welcome to the new and improved Dave LaGreca Pro Wrestling Power Rankings. Let's see who's up. Yes! Yes! And who's down. From Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, and the rest of the world of pro wrestling in this week's Dave LaGreca Pro Wrestling Power Rankings. All right, here we go, And this is where you're probably going to give a shot at me when the rankings are over, but I don't care. These are my rankings, and you are now going to listen to them. And number five comes from somebody that we saw on Wednesday night. And oh, yeah, by the way. He's your AEW World Heavyweight Champion. What the hell? Are you kidding me? Jake Hager, a dynamic right hand on a helpless man, and now Jericho over the walls, and he's just wrenching, wrenching stuff. All right, at number five, I have Chris Jericho. Now, did he defend his title? He absolutely did. Does he have a lot of momentum? Coming in from the week before because of that promo? Oh, yeah, he does. Is he your AEW world champion? That is true, too. Now, maybe a lot of people are saying, well, he got help from Hagar the Horrible. I don't <laughs> think that's the case. I think that's just throwing a little salt into the wound of Darby Allen. And by the way, Darby Allen is now a star after being in that match with Chris Jericho. So at number five, I have the man, Chris Jericho. At number four, somebody else that performed. On Wednesday night. She should have scouted. There it is, there it is! She's gonna watch it on Rio. Rio, your AEW women's champion at number four. Great defense in that show. Britt Baker is somebody I actually thought early on when we talked to her before AEW started is a future champion. And she may well be, but Rio is still your champion and also so over with the crowd. We talked about a lot of things with Rio's game that maybe I don't 100% buy into, but you know what? It doesn't matter what I think. Just listen to the 10,000 plus that were in attendance on Wednesday in Boston, and you know how important my number four is. At number three, how about this bully? For the first time in a while, a tag team at number three. Oh no. Ziggler goes up. Oh no. Ziggler goes down. Viking experience, and the Viking Raiders are the new Raw Tag Team Champions. The Viking Raiders, your new tag team champions at number three. One hell of a match on Monday Night Raw, Bully. And I love the fact that they're your tag team champions because I really think you could do something here. 
This isn't just single wrestlers that they threw together and threw out there into the ring and then become champions. This is a tag team, Bully, that has a history. And how about the fact that they let them cut a promo where they talked about their history in New Japan, in Ring of Honor, in NXT, and now you're your tag team champions. And at number two, you don't have to go that far. How about last night to find out who my number two is? Powerbomb on the tracks by Cage. Here goes Brian Cage. Drill claw. Got Drill claw. Got Drill claw on the tracks. Cover. Drill Brian claw on the tracks. Retains the world's championship. Man, Brian Cage is a beast, bully. And until you actually watch a match, he's been on Busted Open f f before. I'm sure there's people who don't watch Impact regularly that have seen highlights. But, I, but if you haven't, I please, please, as a wrestling fan, watch a Brian Cage match. He's silly athletic. It's crazy. And this is silly, I tell you. Silly athletic. And this is coming from somebody who I said last week, my one go-to guy, the one wrestler that I must watch on a weekly basis is Sammy Callahan. I love Sammy Callahan. And putting those two guys in the ring together was fantastic. And oh yeah, by the way, the championship meant everything. Sammy Callahan on the show this past week on Impact had the promo of all promos. Amazing job by Sammy Callahan. If you weren't already buying into that match, you were bought in to the importance of the championship and also the story going in with both Brian Cage and Sammy Callahan and Brian Cage's wife. Amazing match last night that we're going to get into from Bound for Glory. And Brian Cage is your number two on my power rankings. And oh yeah, let's not forget my number one. Phoenix ya lo tiene todo lo alto. Y esto puede terminar. Wing Angel. Lo tiene. Lo tiene. La cobertura. Uno. Dos. Tres. 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 Hay un nuevo mega campeón. Hay un nuevo mega campeón. And to translate for those who don't speak Spanish, Kenny Omega's your winner. That's what was said there. Uh, <laughs> Kenny Omega's my number one. Not only for obviously what he's been doing in AEW in the match he had on Wednesday where his team got the win, but also, too, now with winning that AAA championship. And again, this is showing what we're seeing now more and more in 2019. You saw it with Ring of Honor in New Japan. These partnerships with companies is absolutely amazing and is, again, spreading the passion and love for pro wrestling. And Kenny Omega, man, doing that and defeating Phoenix, who's somebody, man, we, we talked a lot about that TV show, The Wrestlers, and they did that a lot on, on Phoenix and about his struggles to get where he is right now. And he gets to win. And seeing the crowd, to see that crowd for Kenny Omega winning the championship, they weren't happy because they love Phoenix. And Kenny Omega is so over and so popular in the States. It's such a wonderful dynamic. So here are my power rankings for this week, Bully. At number five, Chris Jericho. At number four, Rio. At number three, the Viking Raiders. At number two, Brian Cage. And at number one, Kenny Omega. Switch two and three and call it a day. Okay. Viking Raiders over Brian Cage. You know what? I... At first, I had Viking Raiders at number two, and I switched it. But you know what? If that's your only complaint, I'll buy that. Yeah, switch two and three. Winning a championship for the first time is, to me, a more powerful moment than retaining your championship. And you know what? And I know I could see it in your eyes as I was talking. Man, how good is it in the WWE to get an actual tag team to win the championship and also give them the moment to explain the importance of that tag team championship and the history of them as a team. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it I, I, I quote unquote marked out for it. I love it when wrestling references wrestling. It's the history of wrestling. There's no reason why at this stage of the game, the WWE cannot allow people to acknowledge what they've done in the past. I mean, it brings credibility to the Viking Raiders when we find out that they're former IWGP tag team champions, when they're former Ring of Honor tag team champions. And you saw 
the picture that they posted on social media with the Viking Raiders holding those four different sets of belts. I believe there was one other set of tag championships that I might be missing. There was the there was the the WWE, there was the Ring of Honor, there was the IWGP, there was one more. NXT. Right, I'm correct, the NXT. So when you see pictures like that, it, it, it reels you in. Wow, these guys are accomplishing a lot because of all of the gold they've been having to acquire. How do I know this? Because this is exactly what me and Devon did back in the day. We took every single championship that we ever won and we took a picture. We took a picture with all the championships. When you see the picture, you go, you go, holy crap, that's a lot of gold. And what's that saying is we went all over the world and we accomplished everything there was to accomplish. And what they're doing with the Viking Raiders is they're making them credible by showing how they traveled all over the place and won gold before they got to the WWE and won gold. So I think it's great um i I know a lot of uh, people appreciated the wwe allowing them to reference ring of honor and the iw and and new japan i ring of honor and new japan is not a threat nobody's ever a true threat to the world to, to, to wwe because of the sheer magnitude and size of the company i thought it was great um on a personal level those guys are awesome they're good brothers on a professional level love to see these guys getting their day and unfortunately, when I say getting their day, I know that anything can change. And with Tag Team Wrestling and the WWE, you never know when it's going to end. Hopefully, they let the Raiders have a good long run. I think they're deserving of it. I think they can carry the championships. Most importantly, these guys can work with anybody. And their styles can adapt to just about... If you, if you want to put them in there with... Uh, with um, um, Rowan and and Harper, they can go toe to toe with those guys. Heavy machinery, heavy machinery. But if you want them to fly around, you can put them in there with the Lucha Brothers. You want them to have a good psychological tag team match with Ziggler and Rude. You want them to entertain with the New Day. They can do it all. Like what you're hearing? Catch Busted Open live Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156 or on demand with the Sirius XM app. Brian Mazik, and I hope that's how you pronounce his last name, who's with Forbes magazine, had an interesting article over the weekend. And he got the opportunity at one of the uh, video game galas with the WWE superstars. He interviewed Roman and Becky and Drew Gallows to name just a few, and they brought up the WWE creative. So I'm going to throw some quotes at you, Bully, and I want to kind of get your take. And the first person he spoke to was Roman Reigns. And they talked about the storyline, especially coming out of Hell in a Cell. And this is what Roman said. I think you should express your opinions talking about the fans, but it doesn't hurt anybody if you have a shred of respect. Have a little respect for the performers who are out there killing themselves for you. I didn't like the Hell in a Cell finish either, but I wasn't about to cuss some guys out who got hit in the head over and over. Bray Wyatt put his health on the line to entertain some fans to the best of his ability. I didn't like it, but I respect Bray's effort and willingness to go out there and do what you have to do. So, if you can, just a little bit of respect. What did you think about what Roman had to say? That comment resonates with me because that is the same thing that I said to Mike Johnson 25 years ago when he was burying so many things in ECW. Said, listen, man, you can hate the match. You can tell me why the match sucked. You can say any disparaging thing you want, but you got to give the performers a little bit of credit for going out there and putting their bodies on the line to entertain so I totally agree with what Roman is saying. Yes, there are plenty of things that go on in the world of wrestling creatively that we do not like. We have to remember, it's not the wrestler's fault. They are very much like actors who are going out there and following, unfortunately, a script. And I know it's hard to hear that. But that's what, you know, wrestling is a performance art. Wrestling is sports entertainment. The physicality is very real. Who are we to blame for a finish that we don't like, Dave? Who do we point the fingers at? 
Are we going to take anything away from Seth Rollins and Bray Wyatt for the performance or the level of physicality in the Hell in a Cell? No, but I don't think that here's 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 the thing though, bully. Fans are going to react. You paid a good money. You you look forward to this for months. You know, when you buy a ticket, it's you know a lot of people don't buy it the day of. Maybe they buy it months in advance. So they're really looking forward to be able to go to a WWE event like Hell in a Cell. And then you pay your money, you go, and you know what? You're not happy with the finish and you boo. I don't think necessarily where I think Roman's got it wrong in this respect. I don't think anybody in that arena was booing Bray Wyatt. They were just booing because they hated the way that that match finished. I don't think anybody was pointing to Bray Wyatt and booing him specifically. I agree. They were booing the... Technically, they're booing creative. They're unhappy with the finish. It's not necessarily about they're unhappy about who went over, although a bunch of people probably wanted Bray Wyatt to go over. They were disappointed with the referee stopping the match. That was the glaring problem with the Hell in a Cell. Yes. All of a sudden, a referee decides that he gives a shit about a performer so much, whether it was him caring about Bray Wyatt getting beat up or it was his statement where he was concerned about the mental well-being of Seth Rollins. Now you've set a precedent for yourself. That's what people were pissed off about. Let these guys kill each other because that's why you invented this match. So guys could go out there and kill each other and we could get something that we normally don't get in a regular wrestling match. But if you... Listen, Dave... You're taking out Seth's verbiage on him. It's like taking out the finish of a match on wrestlers. If we, if you just said, you don't think they're taking it out on wrestlers. So why are you taking Seth's verbiage out on him? Because who else am I, I, you know, I can come on here and blame creative all I want. I don't know what goes on behind the scenes. And I know, Bully, you took exception and you yelled at me after I did that criticism. By the way, I did it in a lighthearted way. We, t- we took the promo, I dissected the promo, which was god-awful, and I talked about it on the air. And then you said, don't do that to Seth. It's not Seth's fault. It's creative. Well, I'm not back there. I don't know. I, you know, don't forget, this is the same You're guy who is- very smart wrestling fan you're not an idiot and even though you might not be on in creative meetings you know how this shit goes you've spent enough time with me mark and tommy to know that if the words coming out of somebody's mouth are the wrong words to say or they don't resonate with you it's most likely because somebody else wrote them for him true but don't forget and we talked about this as well John Moxley, when he left the WWE, he was extremely critical about the creative process in the WWE. Seth Rollins defended the creative process in the WWE and said that there is give and take. Certain people are at a certain level where they get a little leeway with what they say. Hey, you, he said that. He's the champion. He's the star on that show. So judging from what he said about John Moxley, he has not have a problem with creative. And as champion and face, if anybody has any leeway, it's him. So you know what? If you're going to say that, then you know what? You leave yourself open to criticism when you do something on air that doesn't come off like it does. Just because he's the champion doesn't, have, doesn't mean he has the leeway that he's speaking about. I don't believe Seth has the same leeway as a Brock Lesnar as a Paul Heyman, or as a John Cena. I think those are probably the only people who have that leeway he was referring to. I don't think Seth has the leeway. I don't think Roman has the leeway. I don't think Becky has the leeway. I don't think Charlotte has the leeway. All right, let me... Remember, Dave, I agreed with you. I did not like the words that Mm -hmm. came out of his mouth. And there's no way in hell as a guy who worked with Seth and knows how Seth thinks about the wrestling business, that that would have been Seth. Seth Rollins was told to react like that. Tyler Black would have never reacted like that. Well, and and let me ask you this, because we've talked about this as well. Maybe this is confirming what you're saying, too. I don't know. But I remember Samoa Joe had this amazing promo. And you said to me, Dave, did that come out of Samoa Joe's mouth or was that creative? And I said, it was came from Samoa Joe. And you said, no, that was from creative. 
But you know what? Samoa Joe made it work. He believed in what he was saying. He showed true emotion. He made you buy in. Has Seth Rollins done that with any of the promos that he's been given on Monday Night Raw? Can you tell me, can you honestly sit here? Now, we've used Samoa Joe as a great example, Mm -hmm. as someone who can take the words that are written for him, make them his own, and make you believe. Are you telling me that you don't believe the effort is there with Seth Rollins taking the words that are written and trying to make trying to make them believable. Yeah, I, 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 I would think that he's trying to work his ass off. But I'm just throwing. But, but it's I'll... not resonating with you. Yeah, that's no, a it's different not. Story. He's trying, and that's where we have to give Seth all the credit in the world. Seth, you're get, you get an A for effort. But, my brother, it's not resonating. You're not hitting me in my heart. Joe makes me fear him when he takes other people's words and puts his spin on it. Seth is not making me love him when he takes other people's words and puts his spin on it. Yes. and, and is, I'm, is that fair? That is fair because I'll go back to, like, I love on the network to have these Legends Roundtable, right, Bully? And they were talking about Dusty Rhodes and they were talking about Terry Taylor. And they are talking about Dusty Rhodes and the fact that he was able to change his whole persona, be the common man wear polka dots but you know what he made it work terry taylor on the other hand as the red rooster he didn't make anybody believe into his in his character and and they basically blamed terry taylor and i remember watching that saying my god how much can you really put into being the red rooster cock-a-doodle do walking around i mean really how much could you really do to make you believe in that but they put the blame on Terry Taylor that his character didn't get over and didn't work. But they put all the credit to Dusty Rhodes for making the polka dots and the common man work. So in that respect, is Seth Rollins doing what he can to get his character over right now? I think Seth is doing the absolute best that he possibly can. And I'm not saying that for the sake of saying it. I'm saying that I have worked with the guy. I know the performer that he is. I know how passionate he is. I can only speak positively. I don't see Seth Rollins mailing it in. I see Seth Rollins being a victim of, a, of, of something that a lot of people have been victims of in the past and will be victims of in the future. Creative. Creative that might not be in touch with him creative that might not be able to get into the mind of Seth Rollins and realize this is what this guy would say. Dave, you had such a problem with Seth saying, you know, coming out and saying, oh man, I went through hell in that cell, but I'm here in Denver, Colorado, right? Yep. Your your, your mind was blown. Why would he say that? Why would he say that? There's only one logical um, answer that makes sense to me. That's what he's being directed to do. Because there's no way I think Seth Rollins, the wrestler, Seth Rollins, the storyteller, Seth Rollins, the performer, whatever, on his own, go out there and say those words. It's not what wrestlers do. Wrestlers who came up in the business like Seth sell and tell stories. It seems like WWE want to take those stories when it's convenient for them and just throw them away let's not acknowledge what happened last week when becky took the freaking what's the name of corbin's finish oh yeah he took it like we, we never had End any follow-up and the days never had any follow-up from that dude freaking corbin is six foot six pro football player badass wrestler hits his finish on a woman what was the follow-up no follow-up what why because she limped to the ring the next day or three days later she should have been out but who's telling becky to react that way creative that's why i had a problem last week with how harsh you were being with seth well you know like what he's he, i'm again no and i didn't mean to interrupt or interrupt but i'll, no, I'll bring fine. it i'll bring it back to sports if eli manning has a bad game is it eli manning's fault or is it the coach's fault? Eli Manning doesn't call his own plays. The coach does. So if he has a bad performance, do you put that on the coach or do you put that on Eli Manning? If it's one bad game, I don't think Eli Manning is ever going to turn around and point to the bad uh, to the offensive coordinator's bad play calling. But if two games, three games, four games, 
An entire season goes the wrong way, and Eli Manning is getting killed in the press and getting killed in social media. Eli Manning eventually has to say, hey, man, I don't call the plays. I'm trying to execute the plays that are being called for me. Did you ever stop to think that maybe the play, that the, that, the, that the offensive coordinator calling these plays is not the right guy for the job and is not in tune with my athletic ability and how I can run an offense? And, and that's what happens with wrestling, Dave. I see you shaking your head over there. That's exactly what's happening. It is the two edges, two edges of the pro wrestling sword are so dangerously sharp. It's not even funny when it comes to talent and creative. I have met very few people in this business who were truly, truly in touch with their talent. Paul Heyman was a genius when it came to turning chicken shit into chicken salad. He had a locker room full of misfits And he got them over to the umpteenth degree because he knew how to accentuate the positives and hide the negative. He was a creative person in touch with the abilities of his talent. He was a great head coach. How many other great head coaches have there been in wrestling? A few. True. But right now in the WWE, because we're seeing it with Eric Bischoff and Paul Heyman. You know, that's the thing. There is no more Eric Bischoff. Yeah, Eric Bischoff is now gone. After what? A couple months? But how many times do we come on the show, Dave, and whether it's myself or Mark or Tommy, how many times do you hear myself, Mark, or Tommy come up with a better idea for somebody than what we saw? Almost on a weekly basis. Right? I I mean, am 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 I exaggerating? Almost on a weekly basis. I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke up my own ass, but I know what we talk about and what we come up with, along with Mark and Tommy. I'm not leaving those dudes out of the conversation because I know how their wrestling minds work. How come Bubba, Mark, and Tommy come up with stuff that make more sense than any creative team out there sometimes? Because you've lived it. You've done it. You've been on the road. You've been around it You're for, for decades. Because we're in touch. I know what makes Seth Rollins tick. I can book Seth Rollins just about better than anybody else there right now. And I know I can. I, I, I have confidence in my ability to be in touch with another performer's strengths and how to draw it out of them as opposed to some of the canned stuff that we get today. I'm not telling you the canned stuff that we're getting from the WWE is bad or it's not working because it seems to be working for them. I'll go back to the billion dollars that Fox handed over. And until Fox cancels SmackDown, I can't tell you it's not going the right way. We have to go by what we know, what we see, and the facts. At the end of the day, the wrestling business is the same as any other business. It's about money. It's about the bottom line. That's that's really the most honest take I could give you, Dave. Well, you you talk about honest takes, and you mentioned Becky Lynch before. In this article, Becky has a very honest take. If you don't know SiriusXM, then listen up. Commercial-free music plus sports, comedy, talk, and news. They have it all. A lot of people think you need a car to enjoy SiriusXM, but you don't. You can listen outside the car. Right now, you can get your first three months of SiriusXM outside the car for just $1. Just go to SiriusXM.com busted to see offer details and to subscribe. You can listen on your phone, at home, and online. That's SiriusXM.com busted. Offer available to new SiriusXM streaming subscribers. SiriusXM, no car required. Brian Mazik did a tremendous job of talking to a lot of the WWE superstars and was bringing up the creative process. And I mentioned, and you mentioned, Bully, Becky Lynch. And Becky Lynch had this to say. It's hard being a wrestling fan sometimes. We're all just going out there doing our best to entertain you guys. We care about you guys. We want you to enjoy yourselves, and it hurts when you don't like it. We feel your pain. We're all in this together. I'll do all I can. Just tune into my Twitter. I'll be entertaining there. Just tune into my Twitter. I'll be entertaining there. As if to say, I'm not as entertaining as I would like to be on WWE programming. 
Back to the Seth thing. I don't think Seth is giving you the version of Seth that he would like to give you. He's giving you the WWE's version of Seth Rollins because the WWE created Seth Rollins and created The Shield. That's why you get what you get. And that's why you see what he does and says what he says. Even Becky is admitting it. Newsflash, Dave, the entire locker room thinks the same way. Now, I just want to dissect her comments a little bit. Hold now, on. Go ahead. Do you understand that every wrestler there thinks exactly the same way? I mean, I don't know that to be a fact, but the fact that you're telling me that holds a lot of weight. You ask Mark Henry or Tommy Dreamer if that entire locker room thinks that they can be used and presented in a way that is more like them, meaning how they would present themselves. The Jack and the Beanstalk promo from Roman Reigns. Do you think in any way in hell that badass Samoan would ever cut that promo? No, not in a million years. Whose words were those? Those were some jack-off that was writing it on a piece of paper. That jack-off happened to be Vince McMahon, so you're dead in the water. Didn't have to say that on the air. <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> but I, Dave... Once again, ask Tommy and ask Mark. When the guys are in the car together, when we're sitting in the locker room together, the stories that I hear my fellow wrestlers come up with, I'm like, wow, this is great. And we did it in five minutes. We booked six months in five minutes because we're in touch. We're in tune. We're the ones in the trenches. Dad, keep going. No, I, and it's funny because the two quotes that I read were from... Roman Reigns and Becky Lynch. You can make the case the two biggest wrestlers in the company, and they're saying this. Like, this isn't like we're talking to, you know, somebody who's at the bottom of the rung. You know, this isn't somebody that, you know, is losing all the time or doesn't get opportunities. I mean, Becky Lynch, and I, and I want to read her quote again, so there's nothing lost in translation. I mean, Becky Lynch is the most popular wrestler probably in the WWE right now, arguably. I mean, it was just in the main event at WrestleMania 35, first ever women's main event, and became two, two belts, Becky two belts at WrestleMania 35. A lot of success for Becky Lynch in the WWE, correct? This is her dream. This was her dream. And I just want to read her quote again. It's hard being a wrestling fan sometimes. We're all just going out there doing our best to entertain you guys. So like she's saying, hey, we're doing our best. We're doing our best. We care about you guys. So already in the first line, she's saying, I'm doing my best and I care what you think. Because she says, we want, we want to, you to enjoy yourselves and it hurts when you don't like it. We feel your pain. So she's not saying, I don't understand what all the bitching is about. We're giving you what you want. I'm working my ass off. She actually says, we feel your pain. So right there, it's saying that we are sharing something, and that's pain. She's not going out there saying, wait, everything's great. Everything's roses and unicorns. I don't know what the bitching is about. Like, if I'm, if I'm, if I'm a, a, a player for the Patriots and people are booing, the first thing I would say is, what the hell are you guys booing about? We just won a Super Bowl. We have the best record in the NFL, and we're en route to go to another Super Bowl. You know who says that we feel your pain? I'm, I'm busting my ass, but it isn't working out. The people who have losing records. The people who are losing. That's where Becky Lynch comes off of when I read those lines. We're all in this together? I do all I can. And now, by the way... You really want to be entertained? Tune into my Twitter, because then you'll be really entertained. Don't tune into Monday Night Raw. Tune into my Twitter, because that's where you'll be entertained. What would? What is our number one job and objective on this show every morning? To entertain. What would happen if Marissa came to us and said, guys, for the next six months, I want you to cover all Japan, pro wrestling Noah, and NWA Hollywood. 
I would say to her, I love those shows, but you're talking you're talking to the very small minority of people who listen to this show. I don't think our vast audience will be entertained of talk of championship wrestling from Hollywood. Thank you very much for your feedback, Dave, but I'd like you to cover those three shows. Quitting is not an option because you need your paycheck. Yes. What are you going to do covering All Japan, Noah, and NWA Hollywood? You're going to come on this show and do your absolute best to entertain, knowing that the material that you've been given is not that great. I'll be uh, telling a lot of lack of funza jokes. I'll try to be as entertaining as possible and making those topics as entertaining as I can to the audience. Which is what the WWE talent are doing. They're doing the absolute best they can with the material they are being given. And that's it. And that's the way it's been for a long, long time. Listen, when I was there during the Attitude Era, the leeway was considerable if you could go out there and get over then you were written for and you were allowed to get over do you really think two schmucks from ecw who wore tie-dye were supposed to be pushed in the wwe they never even told the story of the dudleys ridiculous how the fudge did we get over we forced the hand of creative. You, how did Steve Austin go from the ringmaster and being told to never say a word on the microphone to becoming Steve Austin? He forced the hand of creative because he went into business for himself. How did a kid who got chanted, die, Rocky, die, get over? He forced the hand of creative. All of these, these acts, these talents went outside the box and did it the old school way. But in doing it that way, some of the ta talents like the Steves and the Rockies of the world became bigger than the company. And the company will not have that anymore. John Cena, bigger than the company. They will not have that anymore. Thus, Roman, Seth, Becky, and Charlotte will always be kept in check. Yeah, and that, and that, to me, is a big mistake. Let's go out to John in Dallas, who wants to talk about the creative process. What's going on, John? What do you want to say about that creative process in the WWE? Well, I think, uh, well, he said it best. They sat in the car and went six months out. I think when WWE went to the network and had to justify pay-per-views every month, they're just trying to get pay-per-view to pay-per-view, which doesn't give you continuity, which just gives you throwing stuff in at the moment. And no time for real long stories and no time for really getting to develop a character. See, John, and, and John, thanks for the phone call, but I disagree. Because I think if you're going to have a pay-per-view every month, you need more continuity. you got to compact that story into four weeks. So you can't take a week off. Like, to me, that's just an excuse. Because if you got to tell a story to make people buy a pay-per-view at the end of the month or subscribe to the network or tune into the network, then you got to tell that story in a condensed period of time. So there's no time off. There's no wasted segments because you got to use every segment to get to your pay-per-view at the end of the month. So that, I, that, that reasoning to me doesn't hold water. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.